Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. And um, we're going to be looking now at the next bit of uh, 1 Corinthians. And uh, that's this letter, it's this letter that Paul, 2,000 years ago, wrote to this church in Corinth. Uh, Corinth was part of the ancient Roman Empire. And Paul had been there, and he had spoken to a bunch of people there, and they'd formed a church. And if you read, his, he wrote them two long letters that we've got in the Bible. Um, probably he wrote them some other letters as well that we don't have in the Bible. Uh, but um, it's safe to say that he had a few difficulties with this church. Uh, if there was a way to do things wrong, Corinth, the church at Corinth found a way to explore that possibility. That seems to be how it was. And so Paul had to try and put them right on all sorts of things. And we've been looking at how he's trying to teach them to sort of use the gifts that God's given them in a way which is helpful for everyone, rather than making it into a competition as to who is the most gifted people. Do you know people like that? You probably do. Maybe at your school, in your class, or, um, or maybe at your workplace, where all their relationships, they're just competing with everybody around them all the time. And... Um, and they're really quite difficult, aren't they? You don't need to, if, you have, if you have more than one of them, it's a real problem and uh, causes all sorts of difficulty. And the church in Corinth, they, they thought of themselves as really gifted and God had given them all kinds of special gifts. But the problem was they used them in a way that actually caused more trouble uh, than if they hadn't have had those gifts at all. And particularly what we're going to see, and I just have to do a bit of explanation before I read the passage, otherwise you might not understand what you're reading. Um, Particularly, there seemed to be an issue with this gift that Paul calls speaking in tongues. Now, so I want to spend a moment or two just thinking about what speaking in tongues is so we all know what we're talking about. Would that be helpful? Um, many Christians today and throughout the history of the church, but particularly in the last hundred years or so, actually, and also in, on the very first day of the church, the day of Pentecost, have found uh, that they've had a strange experience. And that as they're praying, or as they're worshipping, they find themselves using words and sounds that they don't themselves understand. Maybe it's a foreign language that God just gives them, or maybe it's not a specifically human language. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am nothing. He's addressing this issue, because the Corinthians were mad for this gift. And they were parading it in public and it was almost like everybody was standing up doing this strange thing, almost competitively. And Paul had to lay down the law to them and say, look, hang on a minute, when you come to church, that's not what it's there for. It's not there so you can parade your gift. I'm wondering if, don't feel under any pressure, but I, I sometimes find myself speaking in tongues like that. I sometimes speak in tongues. Anybody else do that? It's interesting, isn't it? Quite a few people. I wonder if one or two might, very briefly, because we haven't got much time, just sort of share. So I'm guessing, like you, like me, maybe you find that quite a, you know, you sometimes wonder, well, what, what is this? But somehow it seems to have some spiritual benefit, right? Um, anybody willing to, to say 30 seconds of their experience of this? I know I've, I've not prepped anyone. Go on, Ashley. 
asking for the gift of tongues um, when I was quite a lot younger um, and looking at other people praying in tongues going, what's, what's going on with that? Um, when I finally did pray in tongues, it was alone in my room and I was like, ah, I see. And this, it feels um, really quite un dramatic really you ex I expected it to be this thing where the Lord took me over and something and it wasn't like that at all because that's not how the Lord works generally um, he's gentle and he's kind um, yes. and I found it to be um, a real blessing how I will generally use the gift of tongues I'll think I have no idea what to pray and I pray in tongues and then when I finished I generally know what to pray that's it's as simple as that mm. brilliant thanks Ashley someone else maybe one other person is willing to uh, say something about it I find my tongue a very private thing, and I only, like Ashley said, I only use it to pray about things I don't know what to say. Um, and I find myself actually repeating certain phrases when I pray in my tongue, and I, I think it might be saying praise God or mm. praise the name of my living God. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but like Ashley said, I use it when I don't know how to pray. I feel like God uses the Spirit to help me when I'm interceding about a certain issue. Hmm. Thank you. I remember when I was a student minister at this church, and I was probably in my, I was just in my late twenties, and uh, this church was uh, full of some quite um, well. It, the average age was probably well into the seventies, right? So here am I. I was one of the only ones any younger than fifty, and I was in my twenties. And if I asked the leadership team before the service to pray, none of them would pray out loud. And it was, let's say, a fairly discouraging experience. And I can remember sitting there and just quietly praying in tongues. And I, can say, I remember saying to God, I have no human words left to speak at how discouraged I feel right now as I'm about to go into this service. And I pray in tongues. And like uh, Emma and Ashley, we didn't collude, honestly. I often pray privately uh, in tongues when I'm feeling very discouraged or I just don't know what to pray because I've prayed the same thing over and over and over again maybe um, and so a lot of us uh, I mean it's interesting about I suppose about a quarter of the hands went up um, there's all sorts that could be said about this I wrote my final year dissertation in college on speaking in tongues so I, I've thought about it a lot and I grew up in a Pentecostal church where this is you know pre pretty keen on this um, but I'm going to keep this really simple tonight because I've only got a few minutes um, the issue in the Corinthian church is that they were mustard keen on this. They really loved it. And they'd all turn up at church and start speaking in tongues at once. And it kind of got a bit chaotic. And here's what Paul says then. Uh, first of all, we know he told them they've got to respect one another and they've got to accept the different gifts that they have and not start coming up with a hierarchy of gifts. Not start thinking that because a Christian has this gift or that gift, they're sort of up the pecking order. They're up the ladder. And secondly, he told them to follow the way of love. So 1 Corinthians 13 comes in the right in the middle of this with all that it says about love. And Paul says it is no good being the most amazingly gifted person, whether it's with supernatural gifts or just the gifts of your own personality. There's no point to it unless you're a person of love. And so then he goes on in chapter 14 to address this specific problem in the Corinthian church. He says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. You might have thought he would say something different. You might have thought he'd said, could you stop all this speaking in tongues? It's, it's getting out of hand. He doesn't say that at all, as we'll see. 
He said, you should desire that God would give you gifts to bless other people. You, shouldn't, you should be ambitious to serve God. You should want to leave your mark on the communities that you're in. Not so that everybody would think, whoa, James is absolutely brilliant. If you've got that mindset, forget it. But if you've got the mindset, I want to make a positive, helpful impact on other people, God wants you to have that ambition. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of spirit, especially prophecy. Now let me just tell you what Paul means by prophecy, because that's a bit of a loaded word and people have all sorts of ideas of what it might mean. Specifically and put simply, he just means the gift to be able to speak God's revelation into other people's lives. To, to receive insights from God that you can then bring to other people. To hear God's voice speaking to you in a way that means you can speak. And what sort of words will you speak? Paul goes on and says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. You've heard that tonight. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to other people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Imagine that if God gave you something to say to someone, maybe you didn't even know you were doing it. Maybe you did. And the words that came out of your mouth strengthened, encouraged and comforted someone else. Why on earth would you not want that? Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So Paul is now saying, in public, when you're amongst the church, if you, speak in, if you stand up and speak in tongues, interestingly, that's not something that, that is very common in our church. If you stand up and speak in tongues and then sit down again, at best, you've been blessed. Nobody else has, because they haven't got a first idea what you're talking about. That's what he says here. Anyone who speaks in tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. That word edifies is an old-fashioned word. It just means helps, purifies, encourages, blesses. I would like, Paul says, every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Now, why is that? It's because of his principle that the gifts are primarily there to bless other people through you, not for you to bless yourself. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless, and he makes a, an allowance, if somebody were to speak in tongues publicly, it is possible that God might give somebody else an explanation of what, what it is, from, an insight into what it is they've just said, which would mean it would function basically the same as prophecy. Now, brothers and sisters, Paul says, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, you'll be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I, if, if then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone else is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. 
since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. All right, well, time is short. I could read the rest of this down to uh, verse 25, but I'm just going to push on to verse 24 here. He says this, if... Well, let's start in verse 23, actually. He says this, if the whole church comes together and everyone is speaking in tongues, and then an inquirer or an unbeliever comes in, someone who's not used to church culture, will they not say that you're all out of your minds? Well, they probably would, wouldn't they? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while people are prophesying and they are convicted of their sin and are brought under judgment as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So the the message of Paul is really simple. He's laid down the principles in chapters 12 and 13. First of all, not everybody has the same gifts, and you must not start thinking that some gifts are more important than others and then putting people into a hierarchy as to what gifts they've got. Secondly, it doesn't matter how gifted you are, if you don't have a character full of love, you're wasting your time and wasting everybody else's. So those are his principles. And he then comes to address the issue of tongues. And instead of doing what we might have thought he'd do, which is to say to him, stop speaking in tongues, you crazy people. Do something different. He says, no, tongues are really good. Keep doing it privately. Really good. He, he, go, he says, we didn't read it, but he says, I, I thank God I speak in tongues, he says. And I, it, as we did read, he'd like everybody in one sense to speak in tongues, although he recognises not everyone will, because God doesn't give the same gift to everybody. But what he is really keen on is that when you're in public, things are intelligible. And ultimately because... Whilst tongues are good for the speaker, prophecy has the possibility of bringing somebody to their knees before God. Now I wonder, perhaps we could have another opportunity for people, has anyone, would anyone say there's been a moment where in a church service, somebody has shared a word and it has gone like an arrow to your heart, like it's saying there. Is it, no pressure, but you could put your hand up. I won't, I won't force you to say anything. You could just... Say, that's definitely happened to me. Others? Yeah, Ellie? A number. Is there anyone? You don't have to. Is there anyone who's happy to share what it was? Can be a bit personal, I appreciate that. I know a funny story while you're thinking about that. I heard this story told by a pastor. And um, he went to this big Christian conference and the person at the front said, I want to pray for all the pastors. I've been in that situation. You think, oh, no, no. And he says, right, I want all the pastors to come down the front. And he's sitting there thinking, I don't want to do this. This is so cheesy. He's there with his church. They're all going to be praying. He didn't want to do it, right? So he sat there. He's having a bit of a wrestle inside, thinking, I probably ought to cooperate, but I just don't feel comfortable. He's sitting there. Takes him ages. Eventually, his, his conscience pricks him into standing up. Just as he stands up, somebody else grabs the mic and says, and I'm calling forward anyone struggling with pornography. And he's caught, stood there like that, in front of his church, sat back down very sharply. And uh, <laughs> uh, um, anyone, uh, anyone prepared to share something that God has spoken to them directly in a church service? Ash, you're brave, thank you. 
it was. This is on. Um, it was Peter Nodding was um, preaching, and I was having this um, wrestle with my with a friend of mine because I, I thought we needed to speak to a friend of ours who was engaging in something. And I just thought. I just thought, we need to say something, because I feel like they're going straight off the narrow path. But I had this wrestling match, exactly what you were saying about, I don't want it to come from a judgmental place. I want it to be in love. So I was like, just make sure that this is from a loving place. And I was trying to rope my friend into it, because he knew it as well. And he was like, I'm not doing it. You do it. Like, <laughs> if you, you're, you're the one who cares about it. I, I care about it as well, but you care about it more. You go and do it. And I said, look, we need to do it. Um, I just feel like, like if we don't do this, then, um, then like, what have we done for our, for our friend? And we sat down, he was sat down next to me, and he was like, <laughs> whatever. Um, and Peter Nodding was speaking, and he, it looked like he looked right at us and pointed at us and said, sometimes you just have to have the spiritual guts to tell people when they're in the wrong and, and, avoid, and, and help them avoid kind of going their own, wrong path. And he looked at me and went, yeah, okay. Right. Anyone else want to share anything? I have a story from my own experience. I, um, I was in a church service once, and at the end of the service, the, the, the pastor said, I think there are some folk here who, you know, if you need to come and seek God because there's something wrong with you physically. And I was suffering with something called shin splints at the time, um, which are very sore. Uh, I played football, and it, essentially it's like bruising, I think. On, oh, there's doctors here, so I need to be a bit careful. I don't know what they are, really. But anyway, they're very sore. It makes your shins very sore. And I've suffered with them for some time. And so I thought, oh, okay, uh, I have all this wrestling going on whenever it's like, like that. But I went forward and, and actually one of the young people from my youth group prayed for me. And I walked out, pain was gone, never had it again. Now, shin splints recovers on its own to a certain extent. But I went in in agony and went out, well, agony's a bit strong, but I went in in quite significant discomfort. I left with no discomfort. I'd had it for months. Um, and these things are important, not just because, in Ash's case, somebody got helped out and, 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 and I was suffering and I wasn't anymore. They're important because they show that God is among us. And you suddenly go from coming to church and being a Christian because it might be the right thing to do and it's kind of good for your soul and blah, 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 to suddenly realize, hang on, exactly like this passage says, you fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So here's the application. Gifts are to be used to the benefit of others. Communities function well when there is cooperation and mutual help. When we all bring what we've got and serve one another. Communities become hostile and unpleasant when everyone's competing for jostling for position. See, got, we had a band here this, this, this evening doing really well, first time out. If they cooperate, if everyone says, okay, I'm here, I've got my instrument, I'll play that insofar as it helps everyone else, you tend to get a good sound. If they all turn up saying, I am the best instrumentalist here, and everyone else uh, the main goal here is for me to parade my musical skill. What you'll get will be a horror show. Ben's a very good and experienced guitarist, but he sat at the back playing quietly. 
so that others could be heard. He brought his gifts to help. In all the communities we're in, you should be ambitious to make your contribution. But it's not a contribution so everybody could stand back and worship you for how amazing you are. If you try to achieve that, funnily enough, it will be counterproductive. People won't like you. They'll sense what you're up to and it will feel uncomfortable. If you really want to change the world, you do it by being humble and serving, but being ambitious to be everything that God has called you to be. We're in a, in the church in particular, we're in a supernatural community. This is not just about the natural gifts God gave you, although they in themselves are supernatural because they find their origin in God. It's also about the things that God might want to do through you. How can you contribute to the communities you're in? Not just in church, but school, workplace, university. How can you be the very best you can be in those situations? Before we come to pray, I just wanted to offer an opportunity that if any of you had any questions, I'd be really happy to do my best to find someone to answer them. Has anyone got a question? You're very, very free to ask anything you'd like. I mean, broadly related to this. I'm not very good on geography. Any questions anyone wants to ask? I'll take that. Oh, yes, go ahead. Thank you for your sermon. It was very, very good. And I've been uh, thinking about this myself, so thank you. Um, I guess it seems, I've never spoken in tongues before, mm. and it seems really strange that people speaking in tongues don't quite know what they're saying. Um, <laughs> and I guess I can't quite get my head around that. Um, I think part of the verse you spoke about was about other people interpreting. Mm. So what's happening there? Is it the Holy Spirit kind of sharing the interpretation from one person to another? And what, what does that mean and how do we use that? Sure. I, um, I think first of all, Paul says the person is speaking mysteries to God. So there is undeniably a mysterious element to it, okay? Um, so anyone who says, oh, I'm an expert, I know all about this, I'm extremely dubious of, okay? And there are those who like to present themselves that way. The culture I grew up in, in Pentecostalism, a lot of people, uh, particularly people in my sort of position, they, they present, I'm not saying they always do, but I've, I've certainly come across people presenting themselves as if they have all the answers. It is mysterious because... Paul speaks about it to the Corinthian church, but he never explicitly addresses this issue with any other church. And there's almost no other reference to it in the New Testament. Make of that what you will. But um, what Paul, I think, is saying is, in, in, when speaking to tongues, this is speech that in some way is addressed to God from an individual. And he's very keen on it in private for people. Um, I think, at least possibly, probably, for the reasons that the three of us who spoke about it have shared that people find this helpful when they run out of words. Um, I'm sure that Paul doesn't specifically give us much more than just saying he likes it and he does it. Um, I think what he's saying is, but, but in public to these Corinthians who've got into their heads that this is something that you parade in public almost competitively, he says, no, when, you get, when you're in public, intelligibility is very, very important because otherwise you're you're just parading something that nobody else can relate to or understand. 
However, he does make the concession that somehow the Holy Spirit can give somebody an interpretation. There certainly have been cases, I think enough that convinces me it has happened from time to time, where someone has spoke in a language that's unknown to them, and there's been someone in the congregation who understands a particular language and said, hang on, you're speaking in and has given a translation using their ability. But I think more commonly, the Holy Spirit, a bit like in prophecy or revelation, just gives someone a sense of what is coming out of that person's mouth, what is being expressed by their spirit, and can share that with the congregation. Hmm. I, I think that's the best answer I have for you. Hmm. All right, any other questions? All right. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this teaching. Uh, and to be obedient to Paul, follow the way of love, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And I want you to think about who you are as a person. You probably, well, I'm sure you have some natural gifts. Some people seem to get all of them, don't they? And other people don't get so many. I don't know why God distributes them as, as it is, but everybody is given a personality that can be useful. You have a temperament, a personality, some things that you're good at, and God gave you those things not so that you could win at the competition of being the most gifted person, but so you could serve other people with them. And funnily enough, you will never feel more fulfilled in life, never, than when you know you've helped somebody else using the gifts that God's given you. And the same principles apply with these supernatural gifts. God wants to give you these so that you can know deep fulfillment when you bring them to the service of other people. So what I've done is, there's two things I wanted to do. One is, as with last week, opportunity for you to receive prayer. And it does seem to me that God sometimes, this interdependence is very important to God. Of course you can pray on your own for these gifts, and actually I've written a prayer which is going to get distributed to you now. Uh, um, and you can take this away with you, will pray this together in a moment. But sometimes I do think that it's when we ask somebody else to pray for us that something gets unlocked. I'll tell you a story. When I became a Christian, uh, I still had a bad habit. I smoked. And uh, I didn't like the fact I smoked. I wanted to stop. I knew the health risks. I got thoroughly addicted to it. And um, I tried and tried and tried to give up smoking. I really didn't want to speak to my mum and dad about it because I was ashamed. Uh, they knew I smoked, of course. I denied it point blank. Whole ridiculous behaviour going on. And um, one day, in desperation, I spoke to my dad about it. He said, I'll pray for you. I said, Dad, I don't feel confident that I'm going to give up smoking if you pray for me. I have tried, I have prayed, I have prayed, I have prayed. He said, oh, don't worry, not your faith, my faith. I will believe that God will do something. I thought, yeah, but it's me that's going to have to try and give up. How's that going to work? He prayed for me. I thought, well, I at least owe it to him to try to stop smoking. I'm talking, I've tried for years. I have no willpower. I'm a person of zero willpower. Don't laugh at that, you two. <laughs> You're supposed to say, come on, Dad, that's not true. You've got quite a lot of willpower. No, you're just <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> I've got no willpower. I find it really hard. I managed to go two weeks without smoking, which was my record. But I still had no confidence because I knew every time I saw someone smoking, it was like a major battle. Two weeks in, I'd spent some time with a friend 
they'd been smoking and I'd managed to stop smoking and I, I, I managed to not ask the one. I walked down the driveway and I felt God say to me, you will never smoke again. And I never have. And from that moment on, it was not difficult. Sometimes things get unlocked when we have the humility to confess the problem and ask for somebody else's help. And I think that's exactly along the same lines. It's because God wants an interdependent community, not isolated individuals trying to plough on their own. All right. If you're happy to, would you st- have a read of this prayer, because I don't want to invite you to pray a prayer you haven't actually read yet, because I might be asking you to pray something that would be terrible. Have a read of it. Now, I just want to make one example, exception to all of this teaching. If you're playing football, all bets are off. It has to be strictly competitive, and, uh, but with that exception, with that exception, because I cannot see Mikey praying this on the football field, it would just ruin your game, mate. But more seriously, in the game of life, this is the way of success. This is the way of fulfilment. It's the way of purpose and meaning. If you try and win the game of life by becoming the most significant person with the most significant gifts, the day will come when you'll realise that you can never succeed that way. And it will be heartbreak. If, on the other hand, you set out to change the world for Jesus, for his glory, that's the gift that just keeps on giving. So if you're um, happy to, would you just stand and we'll pray this together. And I just thought you could take that away with you. I was going to say put it in your Bibles, but nobody has such an old-fashioned thing as a, an actual Bible anymore. But put it wherever you might see it and you could pray it. I think you could pray this every day. It would not be a bad thing, would it? So let's pray together. Dear Father God, I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to speak your truth into their lives and show them your love. Please help me to use the personality you have given me to serve the communities I am involved in. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus and give me powerful supernatural gifts as you see fit. In particular, enable me to speak life-giving words into the lives of others. May I never use the gifts you have given to me to show off. Instead, may I use everything that you have given to me to bless other people, especially those who face disadvantages or difficulties. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.